Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. All right, the ray of sunshine has arrived in the building. It's none other than Brian Hirsch. We're talking finance with him over the next hour. Mr. Brian Hirsch, good morning. Yeah, Kathy, nice to see you. Nice to be back in the studio with you. What good news do you have for us? Uh, do, you, do, do you want to begin just um, w- with a quick take of, of what's happening generally in the markets? How are things looking? You know, Kathy, you, it's, it, I know you give a market report every day. And it's that's that's really not what it's about because people hear everything is a, so, with so much bad news. That is not what's affecting the markets because markets already have discounted a lot of the bad news. We do know that interest rates are likely to go up again. We've seen the oil price come down a little bit. We've, we've seen the RAND recover a bit, which could mean that we could in November get a... Sorry, oh, did you just say interest rates are going to go up again? Yeah, yeah. It looks like it. Inflation is not under control, and it's likely in America that they've threatened that in the meeting in November they'll push up interest rates. We could end up following suit, uh, but we do know that, remember, the worst is over. The fact that interest rates have risen so much in the last 18 months, the worst is over. In other words, even if it goes up another quarter or half a percent, it won't be for that much longer. So people may be affected for a shorter period of time. However, we do know that interest rates in the next 12 to 15 months will be down. By 2025, interest rates globally and in South Africa will be down. We'll probably find a weaker dollar. A weaker dollar may mean a strength for the for the rand. And this, a lot of this has been discounted and people don't realize that when you're making decisions based on the news today, you don't know what has already in the market and what's not in the markets. We're going to be talking about the psychology. We've seen the RAND recover a little bit. I mean, the RAND is down, um, is strengthened by a good 3 to 4%. I'm interested to hear when we do the market report now. We've seen oil price spike up, obviously, in the last 10 days, but come back again. We saw oil price a month ago at $97 a barrel. It saw it below 90 a short while. We saw it spike up. We'll get some news on that. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about the psychology of money because there is there are roles. But before I do that, I'd just like to just go back to two outstanding issues that were raised last week. You weren't with us. We were talking about property and property bonds and how you can finance your bond. I was asked what percentage of people have extended the term of their bond. Is it small or large percentage? In other words, if you extend the term of the bond, it means you're going to pay for that much longer. You're going to pay a lot more. But in the short term, it will reduce your monthly bond costs. And then as interest rates start to come down and as you've got more money, you put it back into your bond to re- to reduce again the period of the bond. Well, I spoke to FNB, I spoke to Nedbank, and the answer is that this data is not readily available or publicly released. So we don't know how many people have done it. But I did make the comment, whilst it's not a healthy decision, if you're struggling to make ends meet and you need to extend your bond, it's certainly a good way of bringing down your monthly costs. So, so it's clear that the banks are not going to be 
um, releasing that, that data. Do you consider it to be sensitive, market-sensitive data, Brian? What are the reasons why you think the banks would not want to make it? Well, I don't think the banks want to encourage it because you're putting, you're making people pay that much longer for their bonds. It's a costly procedure. If you know, by putting a thousand rand extra into your bond each month, you'll reduce the period of bond payments by anything between four to five years. So if you took out a twenty-year bond and you're now putting a thousand rand a month more, that bond will be extinguished in fifteen months. So I think that's one of the reasons. And I'm not sure the banks even keep keep the statistic the these statistics in terms of all these. I mean, they've certainly got it, but I I, I can't comment why they didn't want. It. But two two large banking groups were unable to give me that information. I also spoke about the government program allowing first-time buyers certain subsidies. It's called the First Home Finance. And for more information, I've got where they can go. It does deal it does deal with. Um, um, it's estimated that over 200,000 public servants are eligible to acquire their first properties through first home finance. It does deal with the the conditions. The condition is that you don't earn more. And someone asked me, is this after deductions? It's not after deductions. Eligible beneficiaries should earn between 3,500 and 22,000 per month. They can get a subsidy and a beneficiary up to 130,000. And there is, I'm going to give out the email address. It's First Home Finance Inquiries. I'll repeat that. First Home Financial Finance Inquiries, one word, at NH fc.co.za and NHFC stands for um, Home Finance TC. So NHFTC. Let me, Kathy, you read that out. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, let, 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 let me do it, Brian. So um, the, the email address that you're looking for is First Home Finance Inquiries. And the first home finance inquiries, nothing in between, at nhfc.co.za. So first home finance inquiries at nhfc.co.za. And that's really the email address that you can use if you want to take advantage um, of this subsidy that's part of a government program. It gives first-time home buyers um, certain subsidies that they're entitled to. And as you heard Brian say, um, you know, between 3,500 rand per month uh, to about 22,000 rand. 22,000. 22,000 rand. And it's a government program, but it's not only for government workers, no, right? No, It's for everyone. Yes. Everyone can, can take advantage of that. They, they also have a number here, 010-825-2199. That's 010-825-2199. I'll also ask the team to put these details on our social media pages uh, so that for, for those people who, who, who still uh, want to take a look, that you'll be able to get your hands on them. So we're going to continue talking finance with Brian Hirsch after this break. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. All right, Brian, we also had a question that I thought um, you might be able to deal with. It was Joanne in Cape Town. She called in on the open line yesterday and she was concerned about donations tax, um, particularly donations tax that's above the threshold of 100,000, I believe it is. And she's asking why it is if you want to donate money 
to non-governmental organizations, NPOs, you are then liable for that donations tax. And doesn't it disincentivize people from actually making donations? Well, understand, if you, if you donate money to a Section 18A company, a charity, then you'll get a tax deduction on that contribution. When we talk about donations tax, we really talk about donations between spouses, donations between families. Bear in mind that on death, you know, we always pay tax. You earn money, you pay tax. You invest it in the bank, you earn interest, you pay tax. You, t- you invest it in the markets, you make a capital gains, you pay tax. You die, you pay estate duty over a certain level. Now, estate duty up to 30 million in South Africa is 20%. Inheritance taxes elsewhere in the world, some inheritance taxes other parts of the world, is 25 or 30%. So if you're donating money above 100,000 and you're depleting your estate, you are actually costing the fiscus that amount donated in the event of your death. So if I donate to my son, say, 5 million rand, if I had died with that 5 million rand in my name, I would have paid 1 million rands worth of debt duties. Now, by donating it to my son, I don't have it in my estate. There's no estate duty. So the donations tax is equal to the estate duty 20%. And that's why it's to avoid people evading Paying avoidance is fully allowable, and any anything in the Act Tax Act allows avoidance. And avoidance is making use of all the necessary tax concessions, buying retirement annuities, the tax-free amounts in your bank account, the hundred thousand rand donation. But anything above that will attract twenty percent, other than donations between spouses, because again, on death. If you leave assets from one spouse leaves to another, then the, there's no donations tax, there's no estate duty, and ultimately when the children inherit, they will get the deduction. Each party, each person gets three and a half million rand free of donations tax, uh, sorry, three and a half million free of estate duty, and a couple will get seven million. So the first seven million in South Africa will be free of paying any estate duty, the balance will be taxed at 20%, and above 30 million, it'll be taxed at 25%. By the way, just to put you in, put it in the picture, in the UK, the free amount is 345,000 pounds, so that's around about somewhere in the order of eight to nine million, and in the USA, it's up to 11 million that you don't pay a uh, what they call, we call death duties, they call inheritance tax. Yeah, because she did say that, uh, you know, that money was money that she's just sort of received from an inheritance and um, she wanted to give part of it away and see um, the kind of, what kind of support she can lend to either some of her family members or even charities and was was concerned about um, this, this tax that then comes into play. One of the suggestions that she said she was given was that, you know, maybe she must pay off, she must give 100000 this year and another 100000 next year. Yeah, correct, because you're allowed, if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. So if you don't give the 100000 by the way, it's not only in, it's every individual taxpayer. So it's not just limited to 100000 per family. A husband and wife can give 200000 What I always say, if you want to give the money, rather lend the money 
and then reduce that amount by 100,000 rand a year. So if I'm going to give 500,000, I give you 500, I show you it as a loan, and each year I will show in my tax return that I have given you 100,000 and reduced the debt that you have to me till that debt is extinguished. So there are ways rounded differently than having to pay donations tax by way of doing a loan. So how do you verify, and, and I'm asking this because this has also been such a contentious issue, including in our national politics. If you and I, Brian, are making an agreement and you lend me um, 100,000 rand, what evidence, how, what process must be followed to give whatever has happened between us some credibility that one day, if the taxman comes to ask questions, there's something that you can show because most of these just tend to be verbal agreements. Yeah, look, it, it, it's always good to put a verbal agreement is binding mm. other than when it comes to the sale of property. That has to be in writing. But very simply, if I'm lending you 100,000, I'm, I'm going to write you a letter saying I'm lending you 100,000. It, uh, I, I can call for this money back. Uh, it's interest-free. And uh, you you and and you acknowledge the debt that you have to me, and then each year in my tax return I show, let's say I gave you five hundred thousand, I show that in that year I donated a hundred, and in terms of keeping records, I show that you now only owe me four hundred thousand. The following year three hundred thousand, the following year, and you reduce it. So you can you have every right to do that, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what they call tax avoidance and not. Tax evasion. Tax evasion is where you go outside the law to uh, to find ways of not paying tax. Avoidance is making use of all the tax necessary tax concessions. Look at you, such a smart guy, Thanks. hey Brian. <laughs> all right, we're going to take the latest news headlines. I'm back with more uh, talking finance with Brian Hirsch. After this, uh, we're looking at financial psychology. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation talking finance with Brian Hirsch. I'll be taking some of your direct questions for Brian. Uh, just in the next 10 minutes or so, you can send those on 86 000 2032-086-000-2032. And of course, I'll also say, take your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. So Brian, how we spend money and how we plan our finances, it's all a mental game. Yes, but, it is, but it's not about spending, because mm-hmm. that's clear. It's not about what we earn, that's clear. It's, it's understanding your budget. But when we talk about the psychology, it's about how you invest your money. The role of a financial advisor, he has three roles. First, as a financial advisor, he'll provide advice. Some may take it, some may not take it. The second role of a financial advisor is often to be a financial nanny, where people say, I don't understand anything, show me and tell me what to do. The danger of that approach is, if people don't understand when markets are down, and let's understand, people need to understand, the minute you're looking for growth assets, you're taking on risk. And people don't always hear it. Let, let me just share with you, the word risk, other words for risk means peril, danger, chance, gamble, jeopardy, probability. So all these things, people only hear about making money. They never realize. 
So the second role is tell me what to do. But when they start to lose money because they didn't understand it. But the third role of a financial advisor is to become a financial psychologist. And that's to stop individuals making the mistakes that they make each year. What are the mistakes they make over and over again? Is they buy high and they sell low. It's all the difference between greed and panic. And the more, you know, there's, they've proved that there's more pleasure or sorry, should I say less pleasure, winning 100 rand on a roulette table than losing 50 rand. People hate losing, and they don't get the same sort of pleasure but if they, or, the, or the discomfort of losing if they win small amounts of money. So I'm just saying, when you're making an investment, you need to understand there is risk involved. And that's where the financial psychology comes in. Understanding what's happening. I said early on in opening comments this morning that a lot of the bad news has already been discounted. You read out this morning the RAND trading at 1878. You read the oil price is below $90 a barrel. At the last calculation, the RAND was over 1920, 1930, and, and the oil price was at 9495. So already that's giving us indication that if this continues to to the RAND continues to strengthen, the oil price continues to weaken, we will definitely have a petrol reduction in, in November, which is very favorable because petrol is one of the big factors involved in inflation. So all I'm saying to investors, understand that markets are driven by two components. One is fundamentals and the other is sentiment. Fundamentals are how is that company you're invested doing? How is Pick and Pay ShopRite doing? How is Standard Bank against First Rand doing? How is Discovery doing against another healthcare company? How is a property company doing against one another? That's the fundamentals. But sentiment is what drives markets. The bad news and the good news. And the bad news somehow has to be discounted. And that's the psychology. Understanding when things are bad, that's probably the good, the best time to be buying. You know, I talk about people who aren't well, and I've been in that situation in the 80s. I had a photo taken of me at a race in 1987. I must tell you, Kathy, I'll bring the photo. I looked like a film star. The next day I went for a checkup and I had cancer. And 12 months later, when I was through my treatment and I looked too terrible for words, I was actually getting better. So what I'm saying is sometimes when you're at your best, you don't even know that you're sick. And sometimes when you're at your worst, you're getting better. It's exactly the same as markets. When you think markets are at their worst, it's the time to be investing. It's not the time to be selling. It's the time to be sitting at tight. And that's the important role of a financial psychologist who can hold your hand and keep you and, and understanding why you've taken on risk for the benefit of long-term growth. You know, Brian, one of the issues that people are, are dealing with now is also having to make decisions about whether or not to cash in on some of the investments because the, the state of the economy is just so difficult, right? And what would you say are some of the considerations perhaps that we have to keep in mind? before we actually do that? Well, when you're making an investment, 
it, it's really for the long term. So you need short term money. You need emergency funds. You, you've got you need some money in the banks and savings account that if you need money urgently, you can draw it. That does not stop you drawing from your investments. These are the worst times to sell a property in most parts of South Africa. There's always those few pockets where property prices continue to rise. It's the worst time to cash in any endowment, any Satrix investment, any Signia investments. It's the worst possible time. It's the best time, in my opinion, to fix long-term money to get you the best rate of interest. You're not going to get much better rates of interest in the next 12 months as you're getting now. I said interest rates may rise more marginally, but at these rates of interest rates in government bonds, you're getting 10.5% on a five-year investment. I know one of the banks is advertising on SAFM. They talk about 12 months, 10.5%. Why 12 months? Because they know that in 12 to 18 months' time, interest rates will be down. So fixing your money at 10.5% now is not taking a risk. It's very viable, but excepting, I must always point out, that any interest you earn is taxable. So, yes, a bad time, but if you have to and you have no choice. I have people telling me they reach retirement now, they need cash, they want to withdraw. You can only draw one third from a retirement annuity. Uh, next year we'll hear more about the two-pot system, which is what you'll be able to drive, draw from your pension and provident funds. But your question to answer it simply, Cathy, yeah, terrible time to be cashing in any investment, any investment. But if you need to, you've got no choice, particularly if you're in a, in a bind, you haven't got enough money to live, and you're paying very high interest rates for loans you've made. Your lowest interest rate is your bond. Your next lowest interest rate, the next up, up the scale is car finance, and then you start going into overdraft, credit card, and then unsecured loans. I mean, there you're paying absolutely ludicrous amounts. Uh, I gave the example last week that if, you can recon if you've got enough equity in your property and you can get, get a slightly bigger bond to pay off all your debt, it's one option. But remember, by taking on a longer bond, you need to realize you're taking on more debt. So at some stage in the future, you need to start putting a lot more money back into your bond mm -hmm. to reduce the term. Right. Thanks. Thanks for that, Brian. What we'll do. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. Brian, you've started something with all of this talk about taxes. I've got so many questions around um, uh, that issue of, of taxes. So um, let me begin with this question. Dear Brian, if two people donate a thousand rand to each other, is the beneficiary taxed on the extra thousand rand or the total of the two thousand rand is tax free? It's tax free, a donation is tax free, up to a hundred thousand rand per taxpayer a year. Um, somebody else here says there have been recent court cases where people have given loans to colleagues. In one case, the court found that the debtor was non-liable for interest, as they said, only the financial institutions can lend money and charge interest. Unless you're registered as a credit provider, you cannot charge interest on the borrowed amount. And he's quoting there Ricardo Peterson, who's a, a director at Norton Rose Fulbright, um, South Africa. 
Well, I'm happy to take that back under advisement because very simply, I, I can make a loan to a, to a friend. I can charge interest. I've got to declare the interest uh, that I earn. I, I, I will I will come back to that. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm, I, I bow to, to this opinion. Uh, very simply, if you're lending money to evade tax, so in other words, if I... If I now lend my son money and I don't charge him interest just to avoid me paying the tax, then what I said to you, that is what what is what what the receiver of revenue could turn around and say, that loan, you've given it as an interest-free loan, it's to avoid uh, paying tax in your hands, and because your son doesn't have sufficient income and therefore doesn't pay tax, you are, in other words, reducing your taxable income and not being paid tax in those instances. But where a loan is a legitimate loan, a family member loan, I'm unaware that you have to pay interest, nor am I unaware that you can't charge interest. I will comment on that in next week's program. Another question here, Brian, from uh, Peter. Peter is asking, is there any merit in distributing your assets before you die in order to reduce estate duty tax? Well, there's great merit, but that's against the law. I mean, very simply, that's the whole point about donations tax. If you if you've got let's say let's say you've got five million rand, you're a single person, so you're only going to get three and a half million rand worth of deductions in terms of debt duties and pay debt duties on one and a half million. You'll pay twenty percent. Your estate will have to pay three hundred thousand rand in debt duties. If you now pass on one and a half million rand to a family member, the the your estate duty will be nil, but what you're doing is you're evading paying that tax by making that amount available. That's why it's limited to 100,000 rand a year. All right, let me go to Zoli Swa. Zoli Swa, good morning. You also want to ask about taxes. Hello. Hi, Zoli Swa. Hello, Kathy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Hi, Brian. Hi, morning, Zoli Swa. Morning, Brian. How are you? Yep, fine, thank you. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Brian, I've got a question. I was a teacher and then I resigned and then I received my pension money, which I invested. So I also received the, the lump sum. After the lump sum, I received, I've been receiving month to month uh, payments. And then in 2021, there was another money that I received also from my pension money. But what is so strange, it does not reflect from uh, SARS. Because when I went to SARS, I realized that I'm owing SARS some money. And then when I went to inquire about that, uh, I was told that there was was no reflection of that money in the system. So I contacted my financial advisor. He um, submitted, he, he sent me some documents. But in those documents, there are no, there is no true or, or clear definition of how much went to SARS or how much uh, was deducted uh, by SARS. So now I'm owing SARS plus minus 50,000. And now SARS has decided to garnish me. Um, so I'm just uh, lost because I don't understand. I've got some peace jobs that I'm doing on the side. But what is so strange, even the money that I'm receiving from the peace jobs that I'm doing, they, they, that money is already taxed. 
But what I've heard from SARS, they said when I went to them, they said, no, when you receive money, even how, how, how it, it, it doesn't matter how little it is, it will just go and straight, they will uh, add it to your salary, and then it will raise your scale, and then we will tax you according to that scale, you see. So I don't understand. I'm even afraid to submit my tax returns now because every time when I submit, I owe money from staff. So I need help. Well, when you say that you include your earnings in other taxable income, remember, at the end of the year, you have to disclose all your earnings, which includes any money you're earning from interest on any investment, plus any pension you earn. And what happens is you move into a new tax bracket. And therefore, mm. when you say that the, the money that you receive for peace jobs is already taxed, how is it already taxed? Your employer's not 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 paying any tax over. They're giving you uh, the money on a weekly or monthly basis, whatever the case is. you now disclosing it. And because you're disclosing it, which is correct in your tax return, before because you're disclosing it, it's pushing you into a, a new tax bracket and therefore your overall income is higher and therefore you're not paying and they're not deducting enough from your pension fund because your pension fund will be taxed as a single amount that you're earning and now you've got other income as well uh, one would need to look at it you say you sent this information to me before no i phoned i phoned in uh, and i was told you will call me back I haven't sent any information. Okay. Well, you need look. You need to. See, you, if, if when did you call in? Mm, I think it was three weeks back. Okay. Well, I'm up to date. So, Lisa, I'm up to date with all my calls. I've just got a few mm. that I haven't phoned back from last week. So, mm. do me a favour. Just call me again. Let me have a look at it, and let let's talk about this off air. Okay. Okay, Brian. Thanks a lot. Thank all you, right. Kathy. All okay, right. Bye bye. No problem. All all the best uh, with that, Zoliswa. Let's take a quick break um, and then I'm back with more of your calls and voice notes. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point with Brian in studio. Brian, I want to take some of the WhatsApp voice notes that have come through and then um, we'll go back to the open line. Hi, Kitty uh, and Brian. I just want to ask this uh, uh, question, maybe it might be a little bit uh, uh, stupid question. Uh, in terms of uh, car finance and uh, mortgage uh, bond loan, uh, why the calculations are not the same? Look at the uh, car, high, car, car finance uh, where uh, it's a short term and you look at the, uh, the home loan is a long term and uh, uh, the other thing too is that uh, if you're looking at the way we're working today, no one is actually guaranteed a 20-year job. Maybe it's a funny question, but I just want to know. Thank you, bye. Well, well, let me say this to you and let me say this to all our other callers. You can never ask a stupid question. You can only get a stupid answer. So please, <laughs> to all our callers, anywhere where you may be, please put your questions to me. Do not think it's a stupid question. That was a very sensible question. Very simply, there are two reasons. The first reason is when you get home loan finance, there is security behind that loan. And that security is the property itself. And so if you had to default, the, the, the company would have possession of your home, be able to sell your home and settle 
the outstanding debt. When you're buying a car, you, you remember your car is a depreciating asset. So when you've got car finance, the company has to make sure that they've got some fat in the extra interest they're charging you for in case of a bad debt. Because if they repossess your car, all they're going to do is be able to sell your car. And as you know, if you try and sell your car, if you've taken five-year finance on a motor car, if you try and sell it, you won't be able to get anywhere near what you paid and you still may be owning owing a lot of money. The second reason that interest rates are is simply because the car hire finance companies providing you with the finance are provide have to themselves get hold borrow money to provide you with the finance, and they adding a fee and an interest rate to that um, aspect. So when when they're working on car finance and working on loan, uh, it's very different. The banks give you the banks give you your finance. And when you're taking a loan, the finance companies are charging, and that's how they make their money in terms of additional rates of interest. All right, fantastic. Thanks for that. Here's another WhatsApp voice note. Kathy, Brian, and the team. In my imperial society, we have a balance of about 480,000 rands. So we wanted to invest some of that money. And then our bank, our standard bank, we couldn't find help when we go there. They couldn't give us someone from the branch just to tell us what to do. So now we ended up saying, no, let's just leave it. But I'm not satisfied as I was the one who was pushing for that money to some, for some of that money to be invested so that it can make money for us. What can we do? Coming back to that, let's understand you've got 480,000 rand. Over what period of time is it possible that you're going to need to, to use that 480,000? The problem with a burial society that is first dying that receives money from that society. So you've got to also determine over what period of time, if we're talking one year, two or three years. At this particular point in time, I made the comment that interest rates are high. You can get anything between nine, nine and a half percent. One bank's advertising, I think a few banks are advertising on various radio programs, offering 10, 10 and a half percent. So in the short term, those are very good rate interest rates. If you want to put some of that money away, let's assume you say, look, let's keep Keep a buffer of 250 to 300,000 because we've got money coming every month. Let's put 150 to 200 of that 480, I think you said 480,000 rand. Yeah. Let's put a, put, put a, you could think of something a little bit more aggressive. And I, 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 as I said in the program, I do believe these are, these are good times to be investing, certainly for the next number of years. You could look at something a little bit more, a little bit more growth orientated. Uh, and again, what I do suggest, the fact that your bank is not giving you the service, and I really can't understand that, I'll give my number out at the end of the program. You can call me and I'll give you some direction uh, after, um, when you call and leave a message. And just to let people know, if you do call me, please, I've called back a lot of people who don't have answering services. Therefore, I can't inform them that I've called back. You'll appreciate I can't call again. I do this purely as a public service in my own spare time. Uh, but when you do call, please leave all your numbers, where you're phoning from, what your question is. So if I can't get hold of you, at least I can pass your number on to someone else. All right. Let me take GM in Makanda. GM, good morning. 
Good morning, team. Brian, this is working on my psyche, really. As a government employee, uh, I have a, this existing pot, which I consider to be the third pot. Now, is there a plus, or will I be strong-armed into uh, this bandwagon of the two-pot system? If I want to retain my existing pot, am I allowed to retain it and not join uh, the two-pot system? Because now it will dilute what I have. Hypothetically, let's say I'm sitting on two million. This two-pot system will have to take from my existing pot and create these other two pots. I just want to get clarity. I be forced to... Um, early days, because we don't yet know exactly what's going to happen, but I can, I can, in in my understanding and my years of experience, is you will not be forced into that two-pot system. The same way as you can, de- as pension funds can default your investment strategy. Uh, everyone goes into one strategy, but you can also go into other strategies as long as you understand. I have no doubt about it. You will not be forced to go into a two-pot system, particularly where you're in growth assets, and now you've got to be in something a little bit more conservative in case they've got to have liquidity. I have no doubt about it. You'll have to keep listening. We'll get more clarity uh, in probably uh, in, the, in, the, in the next month um, in the medium-term budget, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll have more clarity on what's happening with the two-pot system. Uh, and keep, keep, keep listening. I will keep listeners uh, informed. But to answer your question, I would be surprised if you are forced to go into a two-pot system. Okay. All right. It looks like we've lost GM there. That line wasn't great. Um, let me see. Okay. We're going to squeeze in one last voice note, Brian. Good morning, Katie, and good morning to Brian. Um, Katie, I just want to ask Brian, um, do he know or have any knowledge about, I think it's a trading platform called um, Ufarm. Yeah, it's Ufarm. So can Brian maybe respond to that? And if so, is it a good trading platform or is it a scam? Thank you so much. Well, the simple answer is I don't know it, but that doesn't mean I don't know all the platforms that exist. I always say to individuals, why don't you stick to the big brands? They've all got big platforms. All the banks have got platforms, the Standard Bank, all those companies, uh, just to mention one bank, but they've all got platforms you can go into. Uh, But that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the company you mentioned uh, uh, and what risks associated. I really can't comment uh, on that at all. I'm sorry, but I always believe sticking to the brands uh, makes a lot more sense. All right, Brian, thank you so much for uh, being with us over the last hour, as always. Um, we're edging towards the news update. Just your number for people yeah. quickly. 11 Please, all the details of your question, where you're phoning from, and please, if you haven't got an answering service, it can be a problem. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, See Kathy. you again next, See you next week. week.